I am excited one more time to be here. Uh, this is my, my second time being able to share with you guys, and it is an amazing privilege to really address the house of God and the people in it. Um, we are in this amazing, amazing series, and if you're joining us for the first time, if you're joining us for the first time, and you haven't been able to connect with us physically or online, we are on our second week, third week, of our series called The Friendship Factor. El Factor de Amistad, El Factor Amigos, right? The first week, Kurt introduced us to the intentional investment, the intentional investment factor, and he illustrated for us, along with his friend John, about the, the amazing blessing that it is to walk together with the love and life of Jesus. He said that's the ultimate friendship factor. He reminded us that everyone, everyone gets to play. Everyone gets to participate in joining in the mission of God, one relationship at a time. The second week, last week, Kurt shared with us the intentional investment of prayer. And if we're being honest, I think prayer is the subject that is most talked about, but the least practiced. Okay, we can keep it real, right? We, we can keep it 100. Slap your neighbor, wake up your neighbor and tell him, we're going to keep it 100 this morning. We're going to keep it 100. We're going to keep it 100. Right? We're going to keep it real. It is one of those subjects that we talk about a lot, but it's the least practiced thing that is, is done. But Kurt shared with us, and he said that pr prayer is a primary, or the, a primary way we can make an intentional investment in others. He also said that it's the primary way we can receive from God and others. So this week, we're going to continue in that friendship factor. We're going to continue in that, in, 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 that, in that friendship factor. And when I think about friendship and I think about relationships, I think about, I think about culture and I think about uh, environments and I think about people and I think about all these different nationalities. And I think about our culture, specifically my culture, the Spanish culture and and I, and I believe Spanish is the language of heaven. I mean, you can argue with me about that. You can fight me on that. But I believe that when we get to heaven, we're all going to be speaking Espanol. Porque, you know, it, it, it's because you could say something in, in English, but if you say it in Spanish, oh, my God, it's, it's, it's se oye muy bueno, se oye muy be, bello, right? right? And, and, and it, it, we, can, we can argue about that later. But the Spanish culture is amazing. The culture is amazing. The food is amazing. And, and the cities and the people and the behaviors, that's amazing. And the language is amazing. It's, 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 the language is something that we, we are able to express ourselves. And there's power in the language and the words we use. And, and, but there's also problems with, with the way sometimes we say certain things, at least in my language, there's certain things that I can be saying in the Central American dialect or accent uh, uh, or modisms. I could be saying something in, 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 in Salvadorian, and I could be insulting someone from Mexico. It's complicated. Or I could be saying, saying something in the Mexican accent, and I can be insulting someone from Venezuela or Colombia. It's just, it's just, it's, it's just it's, it's so complex. The language is so complex. The English language is very complex as well, super complex. And I was, I was looking at, you know, the words that exist in the English language. We, 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 you guys have a lot of complex words and, 
in, in English. And the, first, the first word I was looking into is this, this one word that if you know how to say it, you're, you're, you're a big shot. That first word is all that to say, right? all, all that to just simply say lung disease. All I have to say just lung disease. The second word that's super complicated is this other letter, uh, this other word that's, that's spelled like that, right? Right, and that just means that you have abnormal calcium levels in your blood. That's, that's just what it means. And there's this other, other word that, uh, that, that's also difficult. And that just, it, that word simply means that you're calling something without value. It doesn't have value. So I've, I've, never, I've never used that word when I want to say, you know, something doesn't have any value. I just simply say it has no worth, has no value. But if we're being real, possibly one of the hardest words we can say in the English language is, will you forgive me? Will you forgive me? And this is the reality that we're, gonna, that we're going to be facing in our lives, in our friendships, in our lives. This is the reality that we're going to be facing in life. And I want to tell you today that the difference between an ordinary life and an extraordinary life is how well you handle offenses. How well you're able to have a system in your life where you're able to forgive. Because the reality is that sooner or later... Sooner or later, my friend, your friend is going to offend you. Sooner or later, my friend is going to offend me. He's going to offend me. I've learned, that, uh, I've learned that if I don't learn how to handle oppositions and handle the offenses that come into my life, I will never, ever live in the, or, or able to accomplish the purpose and the calling that God has for me. I want to let you know so that the enemy of your soul will always find a way to send an obstacle, an opposition, or offense because you are a child of destiny. You are a child of destiny. And he wants to, to, to throw unforgiveness in your life so you stop walking in that path, in that journey. But I'm here to tell you today. I want you to know today that if you are relentless and say that no weapon formed against me shall prosper... You will reach your goal. That, that's a clapping moment. That's a clapping moment. You know, that's, that's a promise God has made us. So I want to I, I I read a couple of verses to kind of set the, the launch pad for this. And it's going to be in Luke 17. I'm going to read the first couple of verses, uh, first six verses. And uh, it reads this way. Jesus then said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a milestone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than he should offend one of these little ones. Jesus is serious about offenses. He says, take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. If he repents, if he repents, forgive him. If he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall 
Let me try this. He, you shall. You shall. You, you shall forgive him. So the apostles said to the Lord, wow, Jesus, increase our faith. Increase our faith. So the Lord said, if you have faith such as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it, and it would obey you. And, I, and, I, and I'm struck, and I'm struck by, by the apostles saying, increase, increase our faith. I'm struck by the disciples saying, you know, we, we, we don't have enough faith for what you're asking us to do. And my question is, what, is, what, is, what does faith have to do with forgiveness? Because Jesus is really teaching about offenses here. He is teaching about people that offend you. And he is he's talking about forgiveness. But what does faith have to do with it? Kurt gave us a couple of definitions on friendship last week. And, he's, and the one that really connects and jives with me is the reciprocal nature of wanting the best for each other clothed in axes in intimacy. The reciprocal nature of wanting the best for each other, clothed, wrapped in axes and intimacy. Now, I, I believe that we all understand what offenses are. We, 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 we know that, that we felt offended. We have offended, but we understand what offenses are. And Merriam-Webster's Dictionary describes, this at, describes it as the state of being insulted or morally outraged, a breach of a moral or social code. And I believe that we all understand what forgiveness is. After all, our, our, our whole faith, our whole salvation is built on the forgiveness of Jesus. And it is through his forgiveness that I am redeemed, that I am restored, that I am accepted. So as we, so as we, as we talk about investments in our friendships, allow, allow me to kind of push back a little bit and ask, Why? Like, why should I forgive? Why, why should I even forgive? Because if you're like me, I'm going to be intentional. If I'm going to be intentional about anything, I need to know why. Why am I going to be intentional about this? Why is Jesus telling me to be intentional about my forgiveness? Forgiveness. I think we all know that we need to do it. We know it's the right thing to do. Pero... Por qué? Why? Why do we need to do that? You know, especially when we're dealing with issues of the past. Especially when we're dealing with, with, with when we're at work, willing, uh, uh, dealing with that special, you know, um, co-worker, you know. Or probably we're, in the, uh, uh, we're probably at the supermarket and, and we see that one person that, uh, you know, just, just makes us feel a little awkward. And, or we're at school. We're like, oh, here comes that person. So we give them the eye. You know, we give them, you, you know what I mean? We, we give them the eye like, mm. So I believe that forgiving is a principle that transcends personality. It has nothing to do with personality and everything to do with purpose. So why do I forgive? I forgive because forgiving, again, has all to do with my purpose and not my personality. So I want to tell you, stop using your personality to not walk in your purpose. You've heard people, well, I'm just hateful like my aunt. You know, I just have a mouth like my grandma. I will lay you out smooth. I will tell you how it is. I, I will not hold back. I will let you have it in a minute. 
I'm just like that. I'm just wired like that. And I will tell you, stop blaming your dead ancestors for making you miss the purpose that you were created for. The word is full of promises. It's full of purpose for our lives. And how can God promise so much and we receive so little? And I believe it's because we're not putting ourselves in alignment with what we need to do, with what we know we need to do to release the supernatural in our lives. And while we're entertained with, this is the way I am, no one is going to change me. While we're entertained saying, no, no one is going to tell me what to do. While we're entertained kind of doing all that, the enemy is laughing and saying, ha, 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 ha. That's right. That's, that's where I need him. That's where I need her to be. Look at him. I stopped her again for another three years. On that same cycle over and over again. And the truth is that we get excited every December 31st and we say, next year is my year. 2019 is my year. Things will be different and 2019 is the same as 2018. And here comes December 31st of 2019 and here comes 2020. And you say, this year, now this year is going to be different. And it's just the same as the year before. So how do we break this cycle of unforgiveness, this cycle of just wanting to be the way I am. And I, and I want to say that before Anna from Prozen made this phrase famous, Jesus was already saying it and saying, let it go. <laughs> just let it go. You know, wake up your neighbor and tell him, let it go. Just let it go. Slap, wait, say let it go. Can you say let it go? Just, just let it go. Easier said than done, but whatever it is, whatever it is, just let it go. I've seen, I've seen and I've heard many sermons and preachers in the past, and, and it's amazing when they talk about the promises of God and what he has promised to our lives and, and to our generations. It says you, they say you're going to be blessed in the city, you're going to be blessed in the field, you're going to be blessed. Blessed is, is the fruit of your womb, and, and blessed are you going in and going out. Blessed are you in every, sim, in every single way. But as we're reading this text, Jesus is saying, and guaranteeing offenses will come. You will offend. Offenses, if I, Jesus is saying, if I can guarantee something in your life, is that offenses will come. And possibly the only way to avoid offenses is to really not talk to anyone. But then you're stuck with yourself. And have you ever offended yourself? I've been in that 45, and I miss my turn, and I say, why am I so stupid? I offend myself. In and I offend myself. So it's, I cannot get rid of offenses in my life. And Jesus is talking about forgiving. And forgiving is a big thing. And I, and I almost wonder, why is it that Jesus is talking about forgiveness, and on other passages, he's talk, he talks about not only doing it seven times a day, he says that do it 490 times a day. How is it that we are so unprepared about unforgiveness or forgiving? How is it that we don't have a system to forgive? How is it that, that when there is a hurricane, we will prepare 
And I, 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 for the first time, I experienced what that means, being prepared in Texas last year when I moved. I mean, well, I'll be honest. Uh, I thought that y'all prepared a, a certain way. I think I, we were over-preparing. And we, I think last year we had a hurricane coming. And, uh, I mean, we were, we were going nuts. And we would just talk to the locals, and, and they would say, oh, it's fine. It's okay. We'll be fine. But there was an inherent behavior in our lives and in us to get prepared, to have a strategy, to have something going on. How can we be inundated with offenses since we, since we were a child? We've been, you guys understand that? We've been getting offended since we were little. Something would offend us. So how can we be offended since we were so little and have no strategies to deal with it? And I'll even argue that, that offenses are the one thing that have been consistent in our lives. Kinder, you know, Billy offended us. Elementary, that girl Susie, man, she was, she was, she was, a, she was, she was mean. High school, oof. High school was just, it should be offenses school. Church. Work. Offenses, right? I mean, everything, you look at every single aspect of your life and there's offenses. Your husband. <laughs> Can't say anything because you're sitting right next to them, but you, I know. Your wife. Our own kids. Offenses. And you know what? Wouldn't it be nice to just kind of freeze them at a certain age? You know, when they're like six and they're just curious about everything, just freeze them, right? Come on, come on. all the parents, all the... We said we were going to be real, right? Just, just kind of freeze them before they, they grow and change and their voice starts to change and they start defying you and they start taking your car without permission and they start asking for loans. You just kind of freeze them at a certain age. I, but I got something for you parents. Children, parents will get on our nerves too. You know, they, 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 they come to church and they act a certain way. Everything's fine when they're in church. Come on, let's be real. I said, let's be real. And you go home and you're like, who are you? You're an amazing actor. You're Oscar worthy. And it's such a confusing time, especially with social media, where, where, where we've spent all of our lives trying to keep certain things of our lives secret, and then, and then they publish all of our business. You know, I, I grew up in a home where, where I don't know if it, this translates correctly in, in, in Spanish, but it says, you know, uh, whatever happens at home stays at home. And there's another saying that I love, too. It says, we wash dirty laundry at home. And they publish all of our stuff, and then we wonder why they're talking about you, and they're offending you, and, and then, and, but, but you published it with pictures. Offenses will come. And Jesus is saying, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. And I, I, I want to say, the disciples are okay with this, right? They were fine with this. They were like, okay, that's, that's fine. I could do this once a year. This, this is fine, like once six months. This is fine. But then they heard Jesus say, seven times a day. Other, other passages says, 
70 times 7, 490 times a day. And the disciples who had faith, mind you, the disciples who were the first church of Jesus Christ, literally, they were saying, increase our faith. These are the same disciples that would see Jesus bring the dead to life. These are the same disciples that were seeing Jesus turn water into wine. These are the same disciples that would see Jesus walking on water. But when they heard about handling offenses, they said, uh, about that, <laughs> increase our faith. How is it possible that I can be so powerful here and so weak over here? How can I believe God for one thing here and ask for faith in something over here? And I'll say this. Just because someone is successful in one area doesn't mean they're successful in all areas. Just because they're a great teacher, it doesn't mean they're a good father. Just because they're a great employee doesn't mean that they make a good wife. Just because, because they're strong here doesn't mean they're strong over here. And it's those inconsistencies that bring stress to our life. And it's hard to be honest about ourselves. When we're so powerful here and don't see the weaknesses in our lives. And maybe if you can be honest about you, if I could be honest about myself, I can be tolerant of other people's mistakes. Why do I forgive? I forgive because it requires me to be honest about my areas of growth. I forgive because it requires me to be honest about my areas of growth. The best investment you can make in your friend is working in you because the hypocrisy of not me accepting my mistakes and my setbacks and my failures is disabling me from really forgiving you. Forgiveness is a big idea. Little people can't do it. Are you big enough? Are you big enough to forgive? I've been in meeting with developers and CEOs and and a lot of developers and architects and contractors, investors. And I remember a couple years ago, I was in this meeting where, you know, we're trying to decide what we're going to do with this building. And it, it, it was a fiasco. Everyone was just fighting. I remember that at one point in that conversation, the conversations got so heated that I was already trying to kind of decide who was the biggest person that I can fight along with. I mean, it just got so out of control. I was looking at the coffee pot if I needed to use it. I mean, it got that crazy. And the secretary comes in, it's like, excuse me, gentlemen, uh, lunch is going to be delivered. Uh, and you know, do you guys want me to order lunch for you guys? And everything just stopped. And they said, hey, David, do you want to have lunch? I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to, I was so confused. Be, big people can attack the argument and not the individual. Small people focus on the person. So whatever the offense they throw at you, come on, say it with me. Let it go. Let it go quick, quick. It comes and let it go. They talk about you. Let it go. If, 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 they, if they talk behind your back, just, just let it go. Let it go. And the reality is that the Bible says that you can be upset, but you can only be upset until 6.38 p.m. Oh, you don't believe me? Paul says, if you anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. 6.38 p.m. I checked yesterday. Sundown is going to be, sunset is going to be today at 6.38. So at 6.38, what do you have to do? 
Ah, come on. Let it go. You do not have enough strength to manage yesterday's offenses. That's why there's so much sickness in people's lives. There's arthritis. There's insomnia. There's diabetes. There's hypertension. You are carrying too much. Amen? Carrying too much. You are carrying your mother's problems, your sister's problems, your kid's problems, your job's problems. And God is saying, let it go. That's not your problem. That's not your offense to carry. Let it go. We've been carrying with things since we were a child, upset with that 10-year-old or that 8-year-old that took my ball in PE, and I'm still upset about it 25 years later. And the reality is that when we try to go to bed and we try to go to sleep, our bed is crowded with every person that hurt us, that betrayed us, that spoke about us, that rejected us, with the same thought, that same thought that is tormenting us, and God is saying, let it go. Let it go. And he says let it go because there's a new nature in your life. If you are a faith-filled believer, Paul is saying that if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old, the old, everything that's old has gone. The new is here. When we come to Christ, we are a new creation. Our mind is being renewed. Our mind is being redeemed. Our bodies are being renewed. You have to decide, am I going to be controlled by a memory? Will I be controlled by a memory? Will I become a slave to an emotion or will I enslave the emotion under me? I forgive because this is how I demolish unforgiving thoughts. I forgive because this is how I demolish unforgiving thoughts. Unforgiveness. This, these are thoughts. These are arguments that want to hijack your mind, your body, and your soul. Paul says we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. He is talking about the mind, so your memories and your pain and your, and your scars want to exalt themselves against what you know about God. Your feelings are fighting your faith. Your feelings, my feelings are fighting my faith. So it's not so much about rebuking the devil as much as much as it is to turning the weapons on your thoughts, to declare the thoughts and what God has spoken about you. How do we do this? It's where I declare what God has done for me. I declare what God has said about me. And he has said that I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. He says that I am the head and not the tail. I am wonderfully and beautifully made. He says Christ lives in me. I am a new creation in Christ. Amen. Paul says and, 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 and advises us and he says in your relationships with one another and your relationships with your friend have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. There is a way where there, there, uh, this is where we say this is where we say 
devil, get out of my mind. Get out of my feelings. I have an arrest warrant for you. I have an eviction notice for you. You don't, you don't no, no longer have access to my mind and my heart to be feeding me a spirit of unforgiveness. I have the mind of Jesus Christ. So if Jesus said, forgive each other seven times a day, 70 times seven, and you're not doing that, you have to use the weapons against the things that are stopping you from getting it done. Offenses will come. I am going to offend my friend. My friend is going to, to, to offend me. And I forgive. I forgive because I have been forgiven. The best investment I can make in my friend is to learn to forgive. Jesus is teaching us something important about forgiving our friends and neighbors. And he says very simply, if you're offering a gift at the altar... And, and then you remember that your brother, your sister, your friend has something against you. Leave your gift there in the front of the altar. Go and be reconciled to them and then come offer your gift. In other words, my friends, he says, if you're going to worship, if you're going to church, if you, if you go to Pearland Vineyard, if you go home and you realize that you have something against someone, don't leave church. Just go reconcile with your brother, sister, or friend. I'm reminded of the passage and the, the, the story of Jesus when he's in the cross. And what an amazing model we have of Jesus at the, uh, uh, at, of Jesus at the cross about forgiveness. And one of the phrases he says, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. Jesus is forgiving a world that was not asking for forgiveness. And I believe, that, I believe that the case because if he allowed the world to ask for forgiveness, then the world was in control. So many of, of us here today have given up control to our offenders. And, and, and the phrase we use, no, 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 they have to come to me. They offended me, they have to come to me. When we can simply say, you know what, I release this, I release this, I let it go. Because ultimately it's not about you. It is about me. Jesus dying in the cross is an amazing example of how we could be free. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you didn't hurt me, that you were right, that you were fair. It doesn't mean that I'm not bleeding. It doesn't mean that I am not in pain. That's not what forgiveness means. It means that I... Choose not to remain tied down to the thoughts of the past, to that that is behind me. It's not about you. It's about me. And my last point as we move into communion. Forgiveness. is something that we can understand that Jesus gave us. And we can accept that Jesus has forgiven us. And the question that God pressed me on early this week is, have you forgiven yourself? Have you found the moment to be in a space with you to forgive you, to self-forgive? And we can understand God forgiving us. But sometimes we are not able to forgive at the capacity that we need to forgive because we haven't forgiven ourselves so today as we open up
communion. What is, what is God telling you about your life? When I read this passage about Jesus talking about forgiveness and talking about faith and the mulberry tree, I am reminded that the mulberry tree has an, a, a, a complicated set of roots. Complicated set of roots. And it's intertwined with rocks and leaves and dirt, and it's just growing deeper and deeper and deeper. Exteriorly, it looks healthy. Exteriorly, it looks amazing. It looks fine. But it's a complicated root system. Self-forgiveness is a complicated root system. Where we have to deal with the things that nobody else sees but ourselves. And Jesus says, if you tell that mulberry tree to uproot himself, itself, it will do it. When we talk about forgiveness, self-forgiveness, what are those roots that you've been dealing, dealing with for 40 years? Yourself. The times that you've insulted yourself. The times that you haven't been able to forgive yourself for past relationships. The times where you have not been able to forgive yourself for something that you said to your parents and now they're passed away. You never had the opportunity to tell them, please forgive me. And now you live with the constant regret of not forgiving yourself for that. Or maybe you were in a situation in your life where you had to give up a baby. You had to abort your baby and you couldn't and you can't forgive yourself. And I want to tell you today. There's freedom and forgiveness. So I'm going to ask you to uh, stand up, please. And I believe that forgiveness comes from posture of surrender. I just, I just surrender the fact that it's not about you. It's about me. I don't want to be tied down to the, to, to the experiences or the pain of the past. And I want to tell many of you prophetically that you came today for a specific reason and you needed to hear this message. And many of you, God is speaking to your hearts about that spirit of unforgiveness. So, so I pray, Jesus, for that spirit of unforgiveness. I pray that anyone that might be experiencing the pain of the past, the regrets of the past, the unforgiveness of the past, we pray that you loose them up. In the name of Jesus. And we declare that it has no control over our lives. And we simply surrender. 